0: This is the Epilogue Audio
1: Experience. I think what worked for Joe Rogan is the community. Not just from the fact that he brings a very wide array of very interesting guests at his approach, but what he really banked for him is the community. So Spotify recognized that. And there's a huge potential, a huge community that came with that. And also the numbers showed it on YouTube. So I think the community is a very, is a very big aspect of it.
0: So what are my options? Is it sponsorship? Is it going to be, you know, selling merchandise? Is it going to get consulting gigs? Is it about creating a new product that fits exclusively with my audience? Is it about creating a product with a sponsor that then fits with my audience? So there are so many different avenues that one can consider. And by sponsoring the podcast, they are reaching out to those women in a way that would be much more cost-effective versus just advertising on, say, Facebook or Insta or whatever. So I think because of that, you know, that niche definition of our audience, there is an alignment for certain sponsors who are keen to come on the show.
2: It took me a while to kind of get comfortable with asking people to chip into my passion project because I felt that when I started, I wasn't putting a lot of effort into it. And I felt like a, almost like a fraud. Asking
3: them to promote. Welcome to a very, very special episode of the Passion People Podcast. Today we have Olivier, Mo and Bettina who are all fellow podcasters, and we're gonna discuss about how podcasting has changed for them over the last eight to ten months because of COVID and what they're doing in terms of their monetization efforts. We have a very diverse panel. Olivier Runs the Awaken the Awesome podcast, which is born out of a personal journey where he interviews people who have amazing and inspirational stories. Mo runs the More Sybil podcast, where she talks about African-Americans and Asians and how they're succeeding in the world and all about their stories. Bettina is one half of the NRI Women podcast, where they talk about non-resident Indian women and their journeys, and they have some really amazing content. Let's dive in. Let me again take a moment to thank you folks for taking the time out. And I'm just so excited and so pumped to be having this conversation because we've we've all uh, been part of our community of podcasters. And, you know, I'm I'm really excited to know how things have been for you guys. So my uh, first question as we start is that how has your listener numbers changed over the last 8 to 10 months? And have you been running the show continuously? like, Or have you on a season break?
2: so my show usually takes a hiatus between december and april and it was kind of a good opportunity for me to at least at least take that break without having to worry about putting my show on another break because of the virus and so when april came around i started it really slow did something on mental health check-in i didn't want to get people on you know zoom and do like a live show because everybody was doing live shows then so no i haven't taken a break as far as listenership. While the numbers aren't so good, because I use Anchor, which is also another thing we can talk about. It's not really great for like tracking a lot of stuff. But I think that qualitatively, the engagement has been good. I felt like I made more deeper connections with some of my top listeners this year, which is always very important to me. I don't get too bogged down about, you know, how many thousand downloads you have or things like that. Because anybody can just download, but I did listening, I did engaging. So how I measure engagement is, you know, people commenting or sending me emails or letting me know what they liked about a particular episode or what they didn't like and things like that. So in that regard, I would say that my show has been fairly, quite successful this year, despite COVID.
0: Now, I was just going to say it was a little bit different for us because we usually work in seasons. And so typically we do a run from March to June, July, and then another one from September to December. But this time when we were supposed to come out uh, with our episodes in March and COVID happened, entire production was delayed because for us we produce it works quite well when the children are in school and that you know you get that little window because our, our podcast is slightly different it's like a produced narrative style podcast so it requires a decent amount of work and when covid happened and it started homeschooling and stuff the entire production thing got shifted so we actually launched our podcast i think in october instead of um, instead of march as as we had planned initially, the numbers definitely we saw a drop because we were not consistent. But in the period that we were consistent, the numbers were constantly rising. But the interesting thing is that throughout the COVID period, despite not having you know released any new episodes, we still had people come back and listen. We had new listeners coming across from different parts of the world. So we don't use Anchor. We use a different uh, podcast platform to host our podcast and we can actually track and see how many listens have come how much they've listened how much of the episode they've listened and it's quite interesting our episodes are roughly around 20 minutes and we usually get about uh, 80 percent of listenership uh, of the entire episode
3: that's amazing that's amazing Mm -hmm. that's industry like top of the industry Mm
0: is it it's probably because you know it's firstly it's produced secondly it's just it's like 20 minutes so it's not uh-huh. 25 minutes just the whole episode is that much and the last sort of three or four minutes are, is like the outro which is you know the next episode and you know thanking the team and uh, those kinds of things so yeah so pretty much so we have a decent listenership yeah
3: that's great what about you olivia
1: uh, for me, actually, I have to say, COVID was actually kind of interesting. For me, it was actually a great opportunity because uh, I don't run seasons. I basically I'm kind of a guerrilla style. I try to run it through like as a on a weekly basis. I do a self-imposed break in the summer because you know running a full-time job, a wife, and two kids, I make this podcast happen however I can. So, but I do have a very solid uh, production calendar. But when COVID happened, I actually doubled down because I basically understood if I'm stuck at home, guests are stuck at home. So that opens up your calendar pretty much because everybody had cancellations, people who had bookings and speaking engagement stuff, all that got canceled. So they're stuck at home. So that's where I doubled down and I pitched, I pitched like, Hey, can you record? So in terms of booking guests, that was really helpful. It helped me out throughout the year. In terms of listenership, it actually, I actually uh, did notice a, a slow uphill curve. Why? Because I'm not sure if you guys noticed. There's an explosion of podcasters going out right now. So a lot of people are taking this time off uh, to do a little, a little bit more listening. And I've noticed people not only coming back for new episodes, but going back to uh, old episodes as well. So compared to the same period last year, we've seen the podcast grow about a good twenty percent in listenership. So that's a, that's a really good thing. You know, I'm really proud of that.
3: That's awesome, and I think that's the beauty of making content. That spans across the season or you have like a bunch of content, right? Because once they discover you, they they come back and listen to the entire catalogue if that's something that that's interesting. Right. And especially uh, you know, for the kind of shows that, that we all have. And uh, you know, I, I'm sure that this is a behavior that we'll see more and more as more people discover our podcasts.
1: Definitely.
2: I agree, too.
3: It, it's good to know that, you know, all of you have got some amount of additional traction whether in terms of engagement for more in terms of you know new subscribers new listeners the amount of uh, the, the show that people are listening for Bettina and uh, for you Olivier that you have just that 20% rise uh, I've, I've seen something similar for uh, the Passion People podcast as well and for me like the listener numbers are just directly correlated to how consistent I am and I don't know if it's something re- really unique to our show but i I'd never hear from anyone. But once in a while, I just hear, listen to someone and they're like, I'm a huge fan of your show and I left you a rating, I left you a review. It, it's just that, you know, I'm coming back to you now. So for me, engagement is something that I've always struggled with. And, uh, you know, that that's something that I'm interested to know. What do you folks specifically do in terms of spurring engagement, audience outreach? How, how do you guys look at it? And how, how are you guys planning about it for this one?
1: For this one, the thing is, you're not alone because that's the thing. The consistency is there and I am producing more episodes. The downloads are there. It's not that those, those numbers that I'm looking at, just like Mo, because I would like a little bit more feedback. And that's one thing as well, because that's the thing. A lot of people that are commenting, contact me directly via an email or something. But in terms of, you know, dropping a review on iTunes or leaving actual rating and stuff, I don't get that much, whether on the social medias as well. From time to time, you'll hear someone say like, hey, I just love that episode that happened like two years ago. Oh, That's always fun. But that is something I'm really trying to develop. Though the methods I do try is actually, you know, just dropping an open-ended conversation there. What do you guys think? Like, you know, go back to this episode. This episode I just posted. What did you think about this conversation? You try to spur that. But sometimes people are, I'm not sure, shy. Or, you know, the attention span is not there to actually leave an actual open up a conversation. But I really am struggling. and I do hear you.
3: Got it. Got it. So, Mo, what are you doing differently that you're hearing so much from your listeners?
2: Well, I don't know if it's differently as much as just, you know, going on the floor. So let me just put a little bit of a template so you can understand where I'm coming from. I have a full-time life and my podcast, it's evolved from a hobby to more like a pet project. And I wish that if I did my job, the way I ran my podcast, I probably was very successful. But there's a reason why I keep my podcast, you know, I just do what I can do. I don't stress too much about it because I'm not able to put all the time that I can put into it, just because I have a full-time job and all that kind of stuff. So that said, I really try to do things as best as I can do them. So because my show is for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them, that's pretty much most people. So the people I get on the show, as far as the stories and all that, they're very diverse. So And I try to like group stories together. So we had a mental health month. We had when the news of the police brutality broke in nigeria i covered that i got one of the protesters on there and that gained a lot of attraction people commented and let me know thanks for that took my podcast away from my personal page and i created one for the podcast itself and so there in our post only podcast content and that has really helped so i tried to like repurpose like audio clips and do things like that and i also hired a virtual assistant to help with that so it's still very early to kind of like talk about the gangs like how monumental that has been. But I see that, you know, people that weren't following my page before, as far as my personal page, I see more engagement on my my podcast with that. So yeah, those are the two things I've done. Try to work with like historical events, the things that are happening, I mean, countries that are important to me and even to my listenership. And also hiring a VA and creating a page specific for my um, podcast on Instagram.
3: I think that's really important to have that segregation, right? Whether it's on any kind of social media. Bettina, what what, what do you guys do for engagement and how have things been?
0: Uh, yeah, I think I have to uh, agree with you, Naga. One of the things where we saw the most engagement was when we were very consistent with our podcasts And that was uh, until last year. But having said that, even though we were not uh, we were not coming out with episodes, we've been engaging with the listeners through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Uh, all the social media channels, sometimes reposting previous episodes or really just updating listeners about what is happening in our own lives in some way. And one of the things that we did, I mean, which we do usually even for other episodes is every time it comes out, we put, we share a little gist of it on all the social media platforms, as well as on the WhatsApp groups that both Ninora and me are part of, you know, we're part of these mums groups and all kinds of different things. And uh, often nobody responds to it. But the strange thing is, uh, we just finished our season now. And the last episode, when we shared the most recent episode, there was like a flood of messages. You must have got like between us at least 15, 20 messages saying, you know, we really love the work you do. Thank you so much for sharing. (laughs) And it's really bizarre because we've been doing it for like three months and nobody responds or says anything. So one doesn't really know. What we concluded from that is that even if you don't really get that kind of engagement back... From people on your social media platform, that doesn't mean that people are not listening and watching you. They they may just not react in that moment. So the key is to just kind of share. Don't be shy. You know, sometimes one can be a bit hesitant about, uh, oh, this is like a mum's group or whatever. I mean, of course, it has to be a target. And like in our case, it's you know, it's women. Focus. We're sharing women's stories, uh, specifically women from the Indian culture and background. So those kinds of groups, we share them. And this is exactly what happened. We were quite chuffed by the end of it, saying that it's it's good because otherwise it kind of feels that you're doing this stuff in isolation if you don't have that engagement or feedback from your listeners. And like you, Naga, we don't get it on our social media platforms. It's only on a one-to-one. When I meet with people, sometimes they say, oh, listen, you know, I really love the podcast and it's so engaging. And, you know, you guys are doing such amazing work. And this random thing, maybe it was just the end of the year and we wished everybody have a wonderful year or whatever. But, you know, we got a lot of feedback.
2: I just I want to add a little
0: bit to work, but that's okay. Because I also put myself in
2: the show as a listener, even though I'm a podcast creator. I have listened to a lot of amazing episodes that I, I feel like there's a sacred bond that comes when you are consuming someone else's podcast. Sometimes I want to stay in the shadows because I feel like having to like reach out to the list, to the creator, kind of breaks something depending on just what I've listened to. So I think putting ourselves sometimes in the shoes of a listener can really help people help you understand that people might be listening they might not reach out to you not because they don't like your podcast but maybe they still haven't gotten to that point where they feel like bold enough to let you know hey i listen to your stuff thanks for doing that and please keep up the good works so yes that kind of humbles me sometimes you know because i don't li- i don't reach out to all the podcasts you know that i listen to just because i feel like i haven't gotten enough confidence to really approach them to really know that hey i'm a huge fan of your work
3: that's a really interesting uh, way to think about it, more and it's it, it's so important, right? Because if we're all listening to like ten or fifteen podcasts between us, it, it, like you said, we won't be reaching out to all of them, maybe, right? And yeah. we'll only be reaching out to a couple of them. But uh, you know, just coming back to Bettina's point about they might be listening to you, watching you. It's just that they're not engaging, right? I think that's something that I'm I'm just going to write down and keep looking back to it whenever I feel like I'm not really getting that feedback because I think it's just a matter of time until that, that moment that happened with, you know, with NRI woman where like, they got like 15, 20 messages all at once, right? Because it's just up to releasing that episode that strikes a chord with the folks that you're sharing your episode with. And, you know, from there on uh, things are going to move forward is what, what I would say. So we've spoken about podcast growth. We've spoken about engagement. And uh, I think now is a good time to talk about monetization. Right now, COVID has been extremely difficult for uh, all all, all people in terms of job losses, in terms of whatever it is. And podcasting in general, I, I know it's not really like, you know, as more lucrative or uh, as monetizable as YouTube, but I would love to hear uh, all of your thoughts in terms of whether you're currently monetizing your podcast. And uh, if you are, then how? Uh, if you're not then uh, is monetization on your roadmap again yes no why not
2: it took me a while to kind of get comfortable with asking people to chip into my passion project because i felt that when i started i wasn't putting a lot of effort into it and i felt like a almost like a fraud asking them to put money into it but as time went on and i realized that this is what I really Good quality stuff, and I had a lot of. I had a couple of my top listeners letting me know that, hey, you know, you could set up a Patreon, you can totally get more money for this and that. And I also bring started bringing people who needed, you know, to raise funds for health issues and all that kind of stuff. So I started with Patreon, and I got like I think three Patreons, but it wasn't a lot coming from there. And but that really meant a lot to me that three people would, you know, take a little bit of, out of their monthly salary to like, you know, fund this passion project of mine, and during, I've also raised some, like, you know, maybe like a goal towards, like, helping people get back on, I, a particular one was a lady that needed to get back on her, you know, psychotic medications for schizophrenia, and that was quite, you know, very, very um, effective because it was just that one time and a lot of people chipped in. I've also um, done some consulting gigs on the side, and I have Anchor set up to also get money from there, but I haven't been very aggressive with asking people for money because I also have... um. A blog where it's subscriber based. And that has really, you know, brought in some term change. But overall, I, I still, I know that there are other things I could do, like maybe selling merchandise, creating like premium content. I don't think I've had just the time to like sit down and map everything out. But recently, I put my media kit together, I signed up for Podcorn. And hopefully I can start engaging some um, sponsors. Another thing that I've, you know, done was to do like some mid-rolls and open-rolls for like sponsorship through pods. and, you know, that brought in some money, but it was just like, you know, like two or three opportunities that came from it. There are so many options to monetize, but I feel like it's always almost to, commensurate to the effort you put in. And and I think that's that's what has been the source of my hesitation for so long because of my full-time job and all that kind of stuff. I I don't want to ask people for money when I'm not really showing up. And by showing up, I mean, like, you know, I hadn't I hadn't gotten that as at that point to the confidence level that I needed to really tell people, hey, this is premium stuff you're listening to. How about chipping into it? So, yeah.
1: Got it. Totally hear you. Totally hear it's a courageous thing you're doing, Mo, because, you know, it's important to not acknowledge just the work that you have done, but also bring, because if you're not the, the biggest cheerleader for your product and your content, you know, people are not going to buy into you anyway. But it's good that, you know, you're basically testing the waters and to see there are different avenues, but good on you there.
0: Yeah. So I'm just going to add to what, you know, Mo said was uh, basically definitely it's directly related to the effort that one puts in into finding sort of sponsors and wanting to monetize it. Uh, I mean, podcasting as a medium is, uh, in itself, it's not particularly easy to monetize unless one is committed to it like a full-time job almost. So we did a couple of uh, different things. So when we started off the podcast, I mean, we did want to monetize it, but we were also like, listen, we have to establish our product. And uh, I think it's a little bit of like what Mo said, right? It was not about going and asking for money if we weren't sure about how people were going to receive it. But once we were kind of sure about the product itself, the first thing that we did to monetize was actually created some of our own products that we sold. And again, we were not very ambitious. We just did it to cover our costs. And that was our objective, which was met. But uh, this year we had, that was the other interesting thing about COVID because when the whole dynamic of uh, you know people working from home and all those kinds of things change, just the sponsors themselves or the advertisers were looking for newer opportunities and ways to reach out to their audience because they wanted to try something different. So we ended up getting a sponsor for our episodes. Uh, he, I mean, they didn't go for the whole season, but they did take a few episodes. And it's interesting because now we actually have data of how that kind of worked out. And it lets us put a better package together when we're pitching to other sponsors. So because we had one sponsor on board, we have somebody else who's interested for the next season already. There is. It's a little bit interesting because the thing is the audience that we are talking to. And I think that's an important thing to remember. Our audience is a very niche audience. It's women of Indian origin. So the kind of sponsors uh, that are kind of lining up to us, is not your generic larger brands like a L'Oreal or a Dove. For example, the sponsor that we had was a jewelry company based out of India who was targeting these very specific women. And by sponsoring the podcast, they are reaching out to those women in a way that would be much more cost effective versus just advertising on say facebook or insta or whatever so i think because of that you know that niche definition of our audience there is an alignment for certain sponsors who are keen to come on the show
3: what i was saying is that that's a that's a fantastic point that you just made retina about audience overlap right what is the audience overlap between your sponsor and your audience and the more that overlap is then That's just correlates to like a direct increase in ROI for your sponsor, because they're just reaching the target audience that they want. And it also ties back to what is the theme of your show? Why are you talking about what you're talking? And is it specific or is it general? Right. Because if it's too general, then no one is going to come and want to do anything like this because, you know, you don't really have like a demographic or a target audience that you cater to. And that will overlap with the audience that the sponsors looking to tap into. So That's the beauty of having like a specific or a niche audience. And that's one of the big reasons why I made sure that for season three of the Passion People podcast, that we're talking about the creator economy, we're talking about, you know, how content creators and other passionpreneurs are monetizing in the context of COVID. Because then my audience now is overlapping with the other companies who are, you know, trying to sell creator tools or who are trying to sell, you know, abilities for these kind of folks to monetize
1: good point just that it just like totally sparked what bettina said in regards to the importance for any people listening to us who are considering the uh, marketing and like taking on sponsor aspect you have to know your audience so that way you're better positioned to actually pitch you know your show to a potential sponsor and you have to make sure that your sponsor you know responds to your listeners needs okay because nobody wants to end up with a toothpaste commercial on their podcast you know because that's the thing when you get when you get on the uh, podcasting hosts, you know, sponsorship platforms or ad platforms. Sometimes you might be surprised, unfortunately, because I have been listening to some podcasts who, out of nowhere, you know, take on you know the the ad platform, and then you realize what does this ad have to do with the show I'm listening to? And mm-hmm. it totally basically alienates your listeners. And that's that that was just something that came up in my head when Bettina was talking about how the sponsors were directly you know in correlation with her listenership which which is i believe is a very important thing
3: absolutely olive you want to share uh, some of your uh, insights into how you're monetizing and or what you're thinking
1: about it? Currently, I've just like Mo, I've been on the fence about you know the next the next step towards monetizing the podcast. So far, I haven't been monetizing it at all. But what COVID has done is actually helped me because you know you always try to do better, try to learn uh, the best tactics and you know how to actually you know make the podcast grow. I'm not even been lo- I've been looking at you know options for merchandise. I've been testing a few a few products you know, just to see okay what the, the pros and the cons of doing that and how to set that up. So I've been doing that internally. So I'm still in that process. But one thing that has worked for me. Because again, you just look at the landscape and see what's happening. A lot of people have been reaching out to me in regards to consulting, because as we've seen, there's an explosion of podcasting right now. The, listen, the people who just want to start a podcast is, is amazing. So a lot of people are reaching out in regards to, you know, okay, how do I start a podcast? What is a podcast host? How does this happen? So of course, you know, people can be looking at options of, you know, putting on, you know, either doing some consulting or doing some online classes, something I'm looking to do. Also something I'm, as you know, we are communicators, we are, you know, working with our voice. So I'm also looking at doing some voiceover gigs. That's always a really fun thing because, you know, this is basically the second radio. And I am looking at sponsors. So far, I haven't really found anything that seduces me. But again, it's all about putting in the work. Like Mo, I have a full-time job, you know, with the two kids and everything. So the days are really long. And sometimes, you know, you do want to kick yourself in the back, like, you know, saying that, you know, okay, this this could probably be, uh, a lot farther if you're putting in the work. But these are different avenues that, you know, people can explore, you know, taking on sponsors, putting up a patron program, selling merchandise, or try to do side gigs, just like voiceover work, or even lending your voice to reading an audiobook. book. Different avenues people can try. But these are all things I'm exploring as well.
3: I just want to go back to both the, the point that you and Mo made about being on the fence because you feel like you're not doing this as a full-time job, right? Do you think that is something that's uh, holding you back or... Do you think it's a mindset? Or do you think it's the effort? Because I I want to call out both of you and say that (laughs) it's not a thing. Just because you're not doing something as a full-time job doesn't mean that you can't ask people for money. Because (laughs) I believe that every minute of content that all of our podcasts puts out is what is keeping so many people sane. Because let's look around and see what are we all doing during COVID. We're consuming content we're watching videos, we're watching movies, we're listening to podcasts, which are made by people like us. And that's keeping us sane. That's what is keeping us going, right? And I think it's it's absolutely within our right to ask our listeners for a donation, ask our listeners for merchandise. Merchandising is something that's done uh, reasonably okay for me. And what, what I've realized is that people want to, want to pay and buy merchandise for the podcast, not just because They're listening to the show, but they also like the feeling that they're supporting a cause, right? They they like the idea of someone who runs a podcast. They like to support people who are doing interesting and cool things. And they're okay to pay something that's like 2x, 3x more expensive than like a regular t-shirt or a regular hoodie, because it's a Passion People Podcast hoodie or a Passion People Podcast t-shirt, because there is a sentiment attached to it. And the sentiment is that I like the show and I want to support it. And I'm also getting something in return.
2: I mean, uh, well, I was just chuckling when you said that. I, I agree with you that because I tend to be very high-strung about things and tend to always want to give 100% to everything I do. And I know on my podcast, I haven't given quite 100%. And I think that's where the cautiousness comes from. And I do agree with you that a lot of work goes into podcasts. When I spoke to a mentor about that, it was after talking to them that they said the same thing you did, was why I was able to even set up a Patreon. It was like, no, you are creating... Like people that want to, you know, the people that consume your content. I think another point to be made here is that podcasting as a medium has a very low barrier to entry. And so the commonplace nature of it kind of makes it feel, I think, a little bit weird for people like me to want to charge for anything. But then, if you know, um, Joe Rogan is getting a million dollar deal from Spotify and every cat and dog out there, you know, is trying to like, you know, make a little piece of that apple pie. Why not just, you know, charge for what you're doing? So I'm slowly changing my mindset about it, but I know it's going to take a while to be.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's the fear. It's the imposter syndrome. It's the imposter syndrome within you that also rested with, because I've been doing this thing for the past three years now. And sometimes, you know, we're talking about the long hours of time away from your family. You're talking about, you know, putting the kids to sleep and then going to editing and all that stuff. And it's not just, it's not just the fact that, you know, we're giving away our time, which we can't get back, but we are putting out quality content that people, the numbers show it, that people resonate with and want to keep supporting. And at some point you have to tell yourself, what is that worth to you? And it's not even you can't put a monetary you know, value on your time. But when people are legitimately if I'm just talking about my own case, the most recent uh, email I got, I definitely the person said, you know, they wanted to, you know, some consulting and helping and launch their podcast. And I'm like, OK, for this one time, after a lot of people in my close circle telling me, like, you know what, you should elevate your game and you should charge for your services. I'm like, OK, so I reached out to this person. I said, yeah, OK, I'm totally happy with helping you out. But just know that there are fees for my services and then crickets. <laughs> and you know what, I was okay with it, because there's absolutely nothing wrong with putting out putting, you know, a value in regards to you. if your work has worth, if you want to reach out to me, recognizing that I have a skill that would be beneficial to you, there's to- it's totally okay for me to want to be compensated because of it. And I think it's this discomfort this that we have in regards to what right do I have, you yeah. know, to ask to be, you know, compensated for my work? Hey, you know what? At a wedding, the cake maker gets paid. The dressmaker gets paid. The caterer gets paid. You know what? If you want my time to help you how to launch a podcast properly and efficiently, there is a, there is a cost associated to that. And, you know, you need to get easy with that. But thank you for calling me out on that, Naga.
3: So Bettina, how did you folks uh, go through this journey of monetization and uh, landing the sponsor? Be would be really keen to know how how you got the sponsor on board, what kind of analytics you shared with them. And like what kind of ROIs that they saw and how how were you able to measure that?
0: Okay, so the the thing is, in terms of the sponsor, what we did was upfront on our website. And uh, I mean, this is something that, you know, we always recommend to people who want to do a podcast is to have a dedicated website for your podcast, because it's a great way for people to engage with your content outside of uh, sort of the hosting platforms and stuff. And also, it's a great way for you to be able to track how many people are coming, how much of time they're actually spending, in addition to really just just to the podcast metrics itself. So for us, the sponsor reached out to us because they were looking for a different platform to engage with. They were interested in exploring podcasts, and they were looking for non-resident NRI women across the world. So we kind of just fit thing and all the information about our sponsorship was on the website available for them so they knew exactly what uh, you know what our numbers were, how much we charge per episode, what they're gonna get and so they were comfortable with it and so they reached out to us and that's how we actually got the first sponsor not by actually reaching out and I, honestly I feel that if we had to reach out to people earlier, we would have got a sponsor much sooner. But we've learned from it. Now, in terms of the metrics that we shared with them, we shared with them exactly the same things, the number of downloads per episode, you know, the engagement rates in terms of how much they're listening. We are nowhere close to the industry standards of you know, 5,000 or whatever per episode. But it doesn't matter because we are, again, going back to our earlier point, it's a niche audience. And we are focused on who we are uh, targeting. And if that matches with a sponsor, then it works out really well for them because one of the good things about podcasting as well is that you have uh, it, it's not like once it's uh, the podcast is aired that's it right you you have other listeners Definitely. you have new people coming back and yeah. discovering the podcast yeah and 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 your ad then is pretty much for as long as the podcast is available to be listened to it's there in perpetuity almost so, so you have. So, so that is one of the things that uh, we highlighted to the sponsor uh, themselves. And before they actually got on board, they wanted to you know, do a little metric in terms of uh, engagement just with audience on, the so- on social media. So we were hesitant at first, but we said, why not? You know, let's just see what happens. And uh, we were quite surprised because we got a, we got about a 10 percent engagement rate on, a, on the survey they did. But the actual content that they put out in terms of their ads and stuff didn't see the same kind of thing. But, you know, that that can be quite vague because you don't know what resonates. It's a jewelry piece. It may resonate with A, may not resonate with B. So it's it's difficult to uh, judge that. But overall, they were able to get just from the initial engagement itself, they were able to get certain email addresses, you know, people's information, So which worked out well for them in that sense.
2: And I think I want to also add to what Bettina just said, if that's okay, It's that issue of how a lot of sponsors seem to be bogged down by the numbers to determine if it's worth investing on your platform as, you know, one of your potential sponsors. And for someone like me that, because I used to host my podcast solely on Squarespace, which was my host for my website. And then I transitioned to Anchor, I think about two years ago. And, you know, Anchor has gone through a lot of stuff and they just recently got IAB certified, but it's not really been the best Platform out there because if something is free, guess who's paying for it? So as a matter of fact, because of that, I think I I kind of lost my ability to like track the downloads and all that because I've switched out on a lot of stuff as well. So I think losing out on that ability to have that continued tracking of your listenership and the download rates, I think also excludes potentially your know, sponsors who seem to be very big on, you know, how many downloads, what's the CPM and all that kind of stuff. And so I think that's why it's taking me a little bit of time to be able to approach sponsors directly. So yeah, that's another challenge I thought I, I should mention.
3: The reason it is like that more is because What we fall under the broad category of is digital marketing, right? And when we talk about digital marketing, what comes to people's mind is like Google and Facebook, which gives a hundred page analytics report to say that these many people viewed your ad, these many people clicked on your ad, these many people went to your website. And here we are, we are not able to give them the same kind of visibility, right? And that's the reason that I was asking Bettina the questions that I did, because it's, it's interesting to know what is working and why the sponsors are coming to a particular show.
0: If I can just interrupt, I, uh, I just want to add to something that, uh, you know, that you said for the listeners. So one of the things that one can actually do, right, because when you when you talk about Facebook and Google Analytics, and all of the 100,000s of pages of uh, results, and, you know, reports that they actually generate, that is the expectation of the large sort of multinational and the bigger companies. But there mm-hmm. are a big chunk in the middle, which is your small and medium enterprises or, you know, little mom and pop shops or whatever who want to get onto it. And a a podcast is a great, affordable way for them to do it. And their expectations when it comes to the ROI or the analytics is far lower because we, honestly, we were not able to provide our sponsor the exact ROI or the metrics, but we were able to provide him with exactly the same data after compared to, you know, like before, like this was the number of downloads. Uh, And the ad ran at at the top of the episode. So it's very likely that the person has listened to it. You know, if it comes at the end of the episode, maybe people drop off. But hundred percent you if you've had like a, you know like a thousand listeners or five hundred listeners, you know that all five hundred have listened to the sponsor's ad because it's come at the top. So one of the things to consider also is not to really look at your larger multinationals, but look at the the middle band. If you know that a large chunk of your listeners are coming from a particular area, maybe consider targeting or reaching out to a sponsor who is from that area, who might be interested in reaching certain other data that you have that matches the consideration set of your sponsor. And their expectations is going to be completely different. So you can take some of the pressure off about not being able to provide those kinds of metrics.
3: You've actually made my job easier, Bettina, because my next and final question as we wrap up the show was, is sponsorship or is advertising really the best mode of monetization of a medium-like podcast? Or do you folks think that there's... Any other way? Do you think direct donation or Patreon or subscription models are more in tune with what works for podcasts? And whether there is a like a one size fits all answer, or does it really matter? Does it really change from one podcast to another podcast? And does it really change in terms of the size of the audience, size of your sponsor? Like you know, very rightly pointed out.
0: I, I think the first thing is to really ask why do you want to monetize? All of us has this thing at the back of our mind that we want to monetize it. Uh, and like I said earlier for just for ourselves, we weren't ambitious. We wanted to monetize it to cover costs. And if that is the benchmark, you would, you know, one will do just that much. So one has to look at it. if, If it is, if the idea is to actually build another stream of income. Then one has to look at it that way. Okay, so what are my options? Is it sponsorship? Is it going to be, you know, selling merchandise? Is it going to get consulting gigs? Is it about creating a new product that fits exclusively with my audience? Is it about creating a product with a sponsor that then fits with my audience? So there are so many different avenues that one can consider. So the first thing is to, I would say, I mean, you know, and this is, this is what we've been uh, talking amongst ourselves as well, between in hour, and music, you know, why do we really want to do it? The first thing is we enjoyed in the podcast, so I, you know, even if when we didn't make the money, we was, we still continued doing it, uh, you know, sponsoring it from our own pockets. But we have reached a point where we feel we're creating good pro- good content, and like you said, when you create good content, you have the right to ask people to pay for it. I'm not sure that money is going to come from the listeners. You know, so personally, we're not big fans of sort of Patreon or you know those kinds of uh, platforms. But definitely sponsorships is one way. Again, it's not going to make you big money. But if you look at uh, the other aspects, where you, if you can create niche products that you can sell to your listeners, if you can tie up with other companies that, again, produce certain products or whether it's merchandising or those kinds of things, I think you have a better opportunity of uh, earning more. That's, that's our point of view.
2: I agree with what you said about knowing your wise. And I think knowing, I mean, going at it naturally and using your style Like, when I started my podcast, I never thought I could ever do, like, live shows or do, like, video engagement or even, like, start doing, like, consulting gigs and teaching people how to podcast. But those things came as I slowly acquired more confidence and more competence at what I'm doing. And I know that I've only just started. Eventually, I think I'm going to come at a point where I can really engage those that I know are really very important. And when I mean important, I mean, like, like my top listeners, like, give them that space to show, like, they have like some stakehold on on the show as well, and they feel like it's part of theirs. So, yes, I, I, th- I don't think there's a one-size-fit-all. I think come at it as, as best as you can, but slowly make sure that you're, you're not just stuck in whatever field you started with. Keep growing from it, engaging with podcasts, other podcasters, see what has worked, because what works for people might not work for you. And then I think you get to that point where you feel like, okay, I think I'm good, and, you know, and I can make this my default option for monetization.
1: That was it. A- those are some really good points. What I want to stress is for me, basically, I think it's never one size fits all and there's no specific formula. Every podcast is different, which means every audience listener is different. I think for me, if you want to, we always want to take the unicorn example of Joe Rogan. I think what worked for Joe Rogan is the community, not just from the fact that he brings a very wide array of very interesting guests at his approach, but what he really banked for him is the community because he came from the comedy background. He came from the TV background and he came from the USC background. So you have all those people actually tuning in to actually st- to also tune into stuff that he has to say and not just the wonderful guests that he has on. So Spotify recognized that. And there's a huge potential, a huge community that came with that. And also the number showed it on YouTube. So I think the community is a very is a very big aspect of it. Like you said, Naga, basically the people coming into your show, coming in to listen to your show and tuning into your show are the people who are going to be there for you. And as we know, it's a hell of a lot easier to cater to the current current listeners or customers, if you will, that you have now as it is to actually acquire new customers, which is always fun, but it's a lot harder. So as long as you have a clear definition of what it is you want to bring as value to the listeners you have, uh, they can carry you pretty far. And we all know that, you know, these people want to invest into us. And as long as we know how to directly speak to them and we keep bringing them this value, this genuine sense of service that we think they deserve, I think, you know, it's not just about the money, but it could be worthwhile. But for me, I think it's not just sponsorships. For me, I think it's one, Podcasting is one avenue you can take. Actually, you know, broaden your horizon in terms of uh, communication skills.
2: That's a very key point you just created about community. I think a lot of us eventually we forget why we started podcasting. I think it goes back to what also Bettina said earlier on, like learning your why's. Like I really enjoy people. I love story- storytelling. I like you know showcasing processes. And I think focus, going back to my community through qualitative engagements that I get, I think that gives me the most fulfillment. And I know that as time goes on, I'll be able to define what my fan base looks like. Because right now everything feels so diffused. That's another problem with podcasting. If you don't have like a Facebook group or like a Discord channel, it's hard for you to really find out, you know, what's that? was that gathering hall where your people can gather and then you can you know engage with them and see what's working get the pulse and the beat of the community so i think being able to like clarify that i think also builds the strength of your your platform and that can also make a very easy or relatively easier pathway towards monetization and thanks for that reminder bettina and olivier yeah.
3: so folks as we as we conclude we've had like a phenomenal discussion in terms of Engagement. We've spoken about how our podcasts have grown. We've spoken about monetization and uh, all of your various thoughts on it. My favorite bits uh, were obviously from uh, the fact where you said that you know it's not a one-size-fits-all solution. That's something that I absolutely agree. I I, I also uh, you know like that back and forth between all of us about the imposter syndrome, whether we should charge for content, whether we shouldn't charge for content, and the insight that Bettina gave about what is your was the size and the analytics expectations of your customers. And maybe you just talk to the smaller customers and you can still cater to them. I think that was a phenomenal insight. So thank you guys for uh, taking the time and uh, you know, for being on the Passion People podcast and talking about your podcasting journey and monetization journey during COVID.